Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's something that you're not saying. Hey folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos Shashan. Carlos, um, we've got, I, I don't even know how to describe this guy. Do you? I mean, he's we a, say we he's say a this broadcast all the time. professional, broadcast professional. That's he's what a is. pro. He, he's yeah. a he's we're a just amateurs. Pro. No, and this guy's gonna make us look like amateurs. Uh, let, let I me would just say get, fat. Okay, no, I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna say that. Although you have a great you have a great beard, and uh, unfortunately for our listeners, they can't see that. But great beard, way, but yeah, your great beard, great beard. The way you trim it up, it looks professional. Anyway, let me just Carlos run down the resume real quickly. This is a guy who, um, uh, can I say produced? I, I want to say, I'm going to say produced mm-hmm. the Drew and Mike show at WRAF for, I don't know, 50, 60 years, something like that. Felt like it. Felt like it. Then radio becomes, uh, I don't know how, how we should say this. It, it changes. They see the future, Mark and Drew and Mike and some other very smart people see the future in podcasting and also in Drew's basement. So they create a studio and create a, a network called the Red Shovel Network and then have their own shows. And they move the Drew and Mike show down to this basement where it's more popular than ever. And this is the man, Carlos, who makes this happen. He runs the board, he produces it, he adds wisdom and wit every day of the week, all day. He also produces, uh, I don't know if this is such a good Are name, you ever going to say his enough, name? Enough, no, you're too kind. he produces the Mike and, uh, excuse me, the, the ML, the soul of Detroit. I don't even know what the hell we're doing here. No one knows. No, you, you left out you left out the worst part of my resume which was uh and i think it's applicable to this podcast which was uh the show on 1051 detroit sports or whatever it was i don't even remember what it was called a horrific time in my career but fun <laughs> it made me really hate sports and now i love sports again well it, it made you the person you are but so carlos let's welcome in mark fellhauer but the, let me just say this the real reason he's here and we can talk shop and podcast uh you know a little bit down the, down the road here the real reason he's here is because he is a fan, Carlos. Something you just discovered that there are actual fans out there. He is a fan of the Detroit Lions. And sorry, Michigan State fans, he's a fan of Michigan. He actually <laughs> went to Michigan, right? Mark? Yes, I did. Yeah. When did you gra- mm-hmm. when did you graduate? Uh 1998. So you've been living that fandom for, you know, 20, 24 years. Oh, you were there in the golden era. Oh boy. Yeah. Now I will I will say that, and I don't think Carlos knows this, but this is what's this is what is weird about me. I grew up a Buckeye fan, right? I, my, my family's from Ohio, uh, born. I was born in Columbus, Ohio, um, moved. My family moved to Ann Arbor in like 81. So I was a little kid, but I was still a Buckeye fan until I went to school there. So even throughout my high school years, like I love both schools, but I was still a Buckeye fan, number one. And then I went to school there and then I had no choice. And I'm so glad even with uh, some of the failures against that school, I'm so glad I'm an amazing blue guy. How do you reconcile your, childhood fanaticism with your adult fanat i mean how does that how does that even, i can't even imagine it's like it's like a red sox fan becoming a yankees fan or something like that that's weird it, it, it is but it, it's honestly it's from the experiences i had going to the universe I, I never had anything against michigan although my dad raised me to not like them um <laughs> <laughs> like he tried that's he tried his best way. he tried his best um 
but uh, just going to the school there and experiences and friends, going to the games. That's why it's it's there's no other choice now. Um, which I always wondered about people that got undergrads and then graduates from another school, like a graduate degree. I'm like, how do you choose who to root for? No, no, no. Graduate degrees do not mean anything. It's your undergrad degree. That's that's what that's where you're born and raised. That's yeah. But I was telling Sean um, earlier today that I grew up a Washington, uh, formerly known as Redskins uh, commanders (laughs) fan back when they were the Redskins. Like that was my team growing up as a kid. I I love the linemen. I loved Rigo. Uh, Joe is man. I loved, I love that whole <laughs> he's man for the he's man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but because the lines were always really bad, but still my dad took me to all those games and I rooted for a really bad team. And then in high school, they actually got good. And I feel like people forget that they were a good team and now I, I live and die by them. That's why I appreciate your column. You finally know what it's like. Yeah, after after all these years, and we'll we'll get to Michigan and Michigan State college football here soon. But let's start with the Lions, and I want to open it up to you, Carlos, because you you saw the light, man. I think you finally realize you're not writing into a void. They're actual human beings, flesh and blood, with souls. If you believe in that kind of thing, I don't know if you do, but a lot yeah. of people do. Yeah. With souls out there who who care about this probably more than they should, but it's the nature of fandom. So, uh, what have you got for Mark? Ask him how he felt with this uh, loss to the Vikings on Sunday and where he would rank it. Wait, you're turning it over to me, but you're asking, you're but telling you me what question. questions to ask. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this is, this is how it goes. This is how it goes, Mark. He, he explains Carlos to me every week. He tells me what to ask. I, that's, that's how we, we, go. we call that Sean splaining. Sean splaining. <laughs> yes. Please trademark that. Um, uh, get t-shirt. If you get t-shirts, I'll pay for one. Um, yeah, no, 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 no. This was, this was, uh, for, for those of you who don't know, our one listener out there, I wrote, I, I spent the, the Sunday with Sean at his uh, beautiful, beautiful uh, property. I mean, it was like, it's like Southwark from the old Dallas show. Just amazing. He calls it a cinder block house. No, no, no. This is a beautiful mansion. Everybody, I would call it the old manse, you kind know, of like the, <laughs> the tradition of the great writers like Emerson and Thoreau and those guys uh, and with his two boys, his, you know, and they're, and they're in their twenties and, I've watched Lions games before with friends, but they were kind of more casual Lions fans and, you know, whatever. But, but Sean's boys really took this personal. I mean, it, it meant a lot to them. And I'm going to ask you about that, too. And, and I was, it's the first time I've ever spent the whole day watching the game with real fans who really cared, who knew the history of the, of the, of the team. It mattered to them. It bothered them. Um, you know, and they're wonderful kids, by the way. Sean, Sean, well, Sean's wife did a great job raising them, basically. But, <laughs> but yeah, it was they, they were. It was such a such an enlightening experience. And trust me, and I, I'm one of the few sports writers. I don't know if you know this, Mark, but a lot of the sports writers. Uh, I'm not going to name names, but a lot of them think it's far beneath them to speak with fans and to interview fans. It seems like a very like pedestrian, uh, I don't know, high school journalism thing or whatever. I love talking to the fans. I won't always write about them, but I sometimes do write columns about the fans and I interview them. I want to get their perspective, but I don't spend three hours with them on a Sunday suffering the slings and arrows of a game. So how, how invested are you? How do you, cause you're, you're also professional. You're, you have to speak about the games here and there and all that and, 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 and chime in when, when ML and Sean let you, but uh, how, 
how how much does it still hurt when you watch a loss like that on Sunday? Well, I'm I'm older now, so it doesn't hurt as much. It's it's just a lot of it's it's one of those things where uh, you're presented with something and it gets yoinked away, and it's they they are such a mirror of the city, right? In a lot of ways, <laughs> they, everybody in this country craps on Detroit. Everybody, every NFL fan craps on the Lions, and I think it's that hope where it's one of these days. One of these days, this city, this team is going to show everybody that, hey, we're, we're people too, man. We're winners here, right? This, this is not an accurate reflection of it. So they go on the road. This would have been a huge victory, one we haven't seen in a long time. Um, I think when they played Minnesota last year, it was a close game, but they came back, right? So the difference is here's the shiny object in front of you where they're up by 14. It's like, yes, this is a different team. This is not a 3-13-1 team of last year. This is an improved team that is going to make smart decisions. <laughs> and then when you see what I felt, and I, everybody can argue about it, I felt it was a terrible decision to kick the field goal. And that, that, that was the most dejecting part, honestly, was the decision-making that I did not expect out of Dan Campbell. Matt Patricia, totally. We've seen him make so many mistakes. Caldwell, terrible clock management. Um, Schwartz is a whole nother issue. But it, it's it was one of those things where it's like, oh, God, because I, I hate the refrain, same old lines. I just hate it because this isn't the same team. This isn't the same management, the same players. Every team is different every year. That, that, that's where the pain is, right? The pain oh, is this hope. Let me ask you this. Uh, Sean, Sean's boys are still in their 20s, so they have time to get to this point. But you're in your mid-40s. Mm-hmm. when you watch the game and like you said, you're older now, you know, so it doesn't hurt quite the same, but I've heard this from a lot of fans who are, you know, more mature and they just, they hate themselves for getting sucked into watching these games and caring even someone nah. you hate yourself. Is there self-loathing involved? Nope. Not one bit. Cause I okay. love the sport. Right. So I, and I was still entertained good. by it. Good. You know, you, you can't, you can't have the good without the bad. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's just yes. been so much bad with this franchise. <laughs> But when that good hits, and it's going to someday, I believe it. And then I'm the maybe I'm the idiot for believing it. This town is going to explode, right? Okay, one, they, one, one quick question: Pre- preseason prediction. What? How many wins do you think? Oh, I thought seven. seven. I thought I thought seven was right. legit. So anything over that is gravy. But um, but but it's and maybe that's because I didn't expect them to win at Minnesota, and here they are up fourteen nothing. So it's it is that emotional ride during the game, and honestly, it's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> but that's but i think that's why we like sports right don't we you want the end to be better but it's the ride that's fun no and it's absolutely and as carlos alluded to it earlier it's the hope and it's interesting you say seven my and, and my boys are not delusional right i mean they thought the same thing seven eight wins the the, the, the problem i is, heard i heard one of them say nine maybe nine yeah but even then nine is not a net nine is not a playoff a run. I yeah, mean, maybe you're you're maybe, close. You, yeah, there was a team that made with nine last year. You may, maybe maybe if things go right, you can get in. Whatever, but nine is not a team that's going to go do anything really, right? So it's just it's just better than three wins. So, but they weren't delusional at all about. It. They're like you, Mark. Like most people, whether it was six, nine, somewhere in there between, obviously better than three. The problem is, even in the Philly game, you're like, huh, these guys. Uh, this doesn't look familiar, does it? They. They uh they look a little bit more competent and especially on, on on offense. Wow, they got some playmakers and oh my goodness, they've got they've got a line that's pushing back and their holes to run through. And then you see it again in Washington, and then the first three quarters against Minnesota, even as some of these guys are getting banged up. DeAndre Swift, right? 
uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, who's hobbling around and they're still making plays. And so it's like three weeks in, that feels like an eternity relative to all the suckitude for the last generation. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that, but it's plenty of time, Mark, as I would imagine you can attest to, to get your heart in even a little bit different place for a couple hours Sunday before it's yanked away again. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, but you, coming off that Washington win, you expected, you expect, you expect good things, right? I think I was telling you that, um, a lot of the futures bets where you, where you bet who's going to win the, the Super Bowl. Uh, the number one team last week that money was being placed on was Kansas City, rightfully so. Second was Buffalo, and third was the Lions because people saw a value yeah. in the return they would get on that. But it was also because they came off a very convincing win over a bad team <laughs> at home. I, this is the thing about being a Lions fan. We understand all the caveats. Like, we know. We, we know that Washington was not a good, they're not a good team. Uh, I think we're all kind of surprised how good Philadelphia really is now. Um, and, and what do you, and this is the other thing too. It's the NFL. What do, what do you really ever know? I mean, look at the Colts, uh, look at the Colts win, right? Like they beat uh, Kansas city and they, nobody expects that after getting punked by Jacksonville, right? Yeah. See, just, it, this is the NFL. It's it, to me, it was more inside the game. It's like, oh, wow. Look how they came out about 14, nothing. In the NFL 14 nothing is pretty tough to overcome, albeit it was early in the game. It's just it's just a frustration. And once again, it's the frustration of the call for a lot of fans that he made to kick it when we thought, hey, Mr. Grit, Mr. Gambler guy, you've gone for it fourth down on you know basically every possession that you've had. I think whether they four of six up to that point on fourth downs. And so you just, you want to, if we're going to be an aggressive team and that's our identity, you stick to it. Were you living in dying Mark with the other players? Like uh, Carl's going to, uh, I think back this up. One of the, I remember, uh, late third quarter, early fourth quarter. I don't remember exactly when the drive was, but they had a third and short, really short, a yard, less than a yard. And they threw a go route down the sideline. Yep. And Jake, uh, my oldest, is just like, what are we doing? Do you remember that, Carl? She's like, yes, why are we yes. calling that? What are we doing? As soon as he dropped back to pass, he started like, what are we doing? Did you, do you are you like that too with each decision through the game? Well, well, yeah. Um, and may, that might just be the nature of, of watching a lot of football. It almost didn't matter. We, but while Carlos and I were waiting for you to join so patiently, we were talking <laughs> about that play. We had a lot of time. <laughs> we had too much time. We basically went over the whole game. Um, I didn't have a problem with passing it, but that, that play, that play was, it's a little odd, but that it's okay. I don't, I'm not, I don't want to second guess every single play that is called. Yeah. Right. We could, but at that time in that game, I'm, I'm okay with it. Not, I'm not that bummed out about that play, but yeah, I don't want to be in the position as a Lions fan, as we have been our whole lives of guessing every single coaching decision. Let me uh, let me ask you this about Carlos then, because I assume you read the column, right? Mm -hmm. Of course. Did he, did he wrote every good. week. Yeah, yeah. No, we all read Carlos. Good column. Uh, talented writer. Good columnist. Um, you know, sometimes living on Saturday, but it gets us as emotional as the lines do. Uh, sometimes <laughs> it does. But did it did for it better for worse? Did it surprise you at all that somebody who's lived here for twenty years, maybe longer, yeah, and has been covering Detroit sports for that long? Yes didn't realize until a few days ago exactly the relationship between the Lions and their fans. Yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah, it kind of <laughs> kind of surprised me. 
I just I hate I hate being a Lions fan and being painted as just an idiot, right? For buying in <laughs> for buying into our team. In a way, I didn't choose this. I didn't choose to be born here. I didn't choose to root for this team. I'm glad they're my team. I'm glad I'm here. I love this area. I love the people of this area, but I didn't choose to have a bad team. I think it's worse. <laughs> it is absolutely worse if you were born here and you choose to root for a different team. Yes. By yeah, a mile. although if you're gonna be if you're gonna be a LeBron James and root for the Yankees <laughs> and the Cowboys when you're born in Ohio, that is just horse crap. I'm yeah. sorry, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're you're you know what? And that that's the thing, right? Is you don't and I, I wonder this about myself growing up in LA is I I tended to root, I, although I was an LA Kings fan and they were terrible for a long time. Um, and I stuck with them. So I paid my dues, but I was a Dodger fan too. So I saw a lot of winning and, um, I, and then, you know, what's funny is I wasn't much of a Lakers fan. I liked them, but it was such a, it was like rooting for the Yankees kind Mm -hmm. of in their heyday. Like it just was too easy. And there were so many, I felt there were a lot of fake Lakers fans. So it sounds like the lines are tailor made for you then. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the lions, but you know, I couldn't be a Rams fan. The, The Rams, I went to some games and they just sucked and they were so frustrating. <laughs> and I just remember going to um, Anaheim Stadium and there were always fights. There was just like fights after fights and the team sucked. And it was just like, well, then maybe you're not made out to be a Lions fan. I mean, yeah, yeah because the, the Silver Dome days, <laughs> my goodness. Yeah. And at least, I mean, that's the thing is like the Rams had Dickerson it. when I was, when I was growing up there and he was exciting, but they couldn't get the quarterback right. And they were just, they Wait, just you, didn't were, like, you didn't like Dieter Brock. Let's talk about old Rams quarterbacks. <laughs> I was, I was a Vince, Vince Ferragamo guy for a little while. <laughs> I like Ferragamo, but it was that, just, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jim Everett. Although yeah. Jim Everett going after, uh, uh, what's his name? Jim Rome was yeah. just classic, classic. Yeah, TV. Awesome. I was, I was working in the office that night. One of my first jobs when that happened and everybody just lost their minds when, when we saw that on, on, uh, was it ESPN or whatever it was back? Yeah. Then. I think it was on the deuce because the deuce. I think Romy had a nice leather jacket. On. <laughs> so when the so, deuce was edgy. I bet so you Mark, I do. do you, do you think Mark, uh, and by the way, the uh, Carlson mentioned fans earlier and talking about fans. I used to do this thing called undercover fans. Oh, right here, here we go. Here we go. The undercover but, uh, fan, but I can remember back, back when Metro Metro. Yeah. And Pistons back when Metro departments or or desks, I guess city desk were a lot more flush with people and cash and everything else at big metropolitan newspapers. We would uh, do stuff in sports, talking to fans. Like sports writers would never do that because, as Carl said, it was beneath you. And I can remember getting sent out to the Silver Dome, and just the fights, Mark, that would break out on the stands. It was just on every time I went, it was unreal. Oh yeah, that's part <laughs> of the reason just, to miss it. <laughs> yeah, it, it mean, was I just. Remember, on- I remember as a little kid, I knew exactly where to look. It was always up in the. I guess that would be the south uh, east corner of the Silver Dome <laughs> upstairs, always. Always, there was always, always going to be a fight. Cheap seats, yeah. It was uh, always that's... above uh, the the like the Pepsi family section or whatever in the silver. <laughs> too. Very ironic. No, that was uh, that was some kind of scene out there. Okay, we we need to take a, a quick break. I have one more question for you, Mark, about the Lions and Carlos that I think our listeners will want to hear. And I, have a we'll question, to, I have a question for you guys too. Okay, good. And then uh, we're going to talk some Michigan, Michigan State, but we need to do whatever it does. The free press does to pay for this podcast, to promote this podcast. I'm not sure what to do. Carlos and I still haven't figured that out. Have I Carlos? No, 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 gets paid. I, 
No, I mean, I, I don't know what's going on there. Anjanette gets paid. There's somebody named Anjanette Delgado, and she seems to be in charge, but who knows? Anyway, we got to take a break. We'll be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlos Deshaun. Hello, I'm Phil Friend, the host and producer of Spartan Speak, a podcast collaboration between the Detroit Free Press and Lansing State Journal focusing on Michigan State sports. Each week, I'm joined by the OGs of the MSU podcasting game, Freak beat writer Chris Slarry and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch as we discuss and dissect the latest sports news coming out of East Lansing. Not only is Spartan Speak one of, if not the longest-running MSU sports podcast out there, you won't find a show with two people as clued into the Spartans as Chris and Graham, each of whom have spent a decade-plus covering MSU and bring years of institutional knowledge and insight to the podcast. And once in a while, they'll let me throw out a take as well. Along with discussing the latest news, we'll break down the Spartans' last game in the hardwood and the gridiron. What went right? What went wrong? Jet sweep. Again? For both Mel Tucker and Tom Izzo, get you ready for the next game, make predictions, and so much more. We can also guarantee at least one reference to Kalamazoo every podcast. So if you haven't already, download, subscribe, and listen to Spartans Speak on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your podcast app of choice. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlson and Sean. Mark, you have a question, I know, but uh, you you go ahead. You're the guest. You ask first, and then I got one more question for you uh, about Carlos. Okay, well, it was directly from Carlos's column about watching the game with you and, and learning to become a fan. And and early on in it, you, you're saying, you know, you cover the lines every other team with dispassionate objectivity, which I love that deba- dispassionate objectivity. And <laughs> it's you good say, writing, isn't it? Just yeah, it, it's good writing. <laughs> if, you, if you say so yourself. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, pretty much. Didn't look at all the eyes in the column. That tells you all you need to know. <laughs> and then, yeah, well, do you follow it up with I have to? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Now, my question is, I, I, you know, Hunter S. Thompson has a very famous quote that no journalist is unbiased. I mean, it's just impossible for a human to do that. That never creeps in. Like, I mean, it might not be good for you guys if a team's good, right? Because misery loves company, but it's got to creep in because you cover a team that you want to see them win. No, never. No, we don't. You, you cannot even, and this is even true when I was growing up in LA and I started covering the teams that I rooted for, there was a weird thing that happens where you can no longer root for that team in that moment when you're covering them. You can't, you can't get involved. There, now there are there are people that are athletes that you kind of root for that you like. They're nice guys and they help you out in your job. They do good in, give you good interviews, but you can never really root for them to win or or lose or or, or do well, or, you know, basically what you'll hear a lot, I think from a lot of sports writers is you root for good stories. You root for good storylines. So if there's a spectacular failure, that's an interesting Mm -hmm. storyline. If there's an amazing comeback, that's a great storyline. And you don't, you don't root against people per se. You know, you would, I don't think that it works both ways. You don't root against them. You're, you're kind of i mean i'm sorry i'm going to say like you're kind of like a judge but i know that just means that mike elrick has just been that signal's just gone on and he's going to to write 15 pages about you 15 pages about me and it's coming sunday um and but you can i mean i don't know if sean would agree with this but i you just cannot root for a team and get involved once you go down that route it's you 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 lose yourself you just cannot you you need that that professional kind of distance to be able to think clearly and not get involved even as a columnist even as a columnist even you cannot 
you just can't, um, there, there are people you like, there are people you don't like, you know, personally. Yes. That Hunter S Thompson, when he wasn't on cocaine or Quaalude, whatever he was on, <laughs> it was boring brief seconds when he had, a, yeah, when he had a little lucidity, you know, uh, he was right. Like you're as a human, you are biased toward people and, and maybe some situations. I mean, I, and, and, and trust me, I've beyond just covering sports. I mean, I've talked to people that I don't disagree with. I've talked to white nationalists. I've mm-hmm. talked to, you know, some people who were, you know, like, let's burn the whole government down anarchists. I've, I've talked to different, all kinds of people. And the important thing, I think in journalism, no matter what role you're in is you need to sort of understand where the person's coming from give them that respect of i want to give you as much understanding as possible because maybe and like i wrote in the column i've never seen it from this point of view let me at least try to understand it you may not agree with them but you have to open yourself up a little bit now there's the people who are for obviously for fox news and different things right different different points of view that are very very uh, solidified they know their audience mm-hmm. they know who they're talking to but most most media isn't like that so um yeah, even as a columnist, you can't get into, you know, I'm I'm rooting for somebody, I'm rooting against somebody. Um, I just don't know how you could do that, really. Regarding, well, it's interesting though when you read sports blogs, okay, right? Be it typically with college sports, when you read a blog, and it's different. I mean, any blog is going to be different than right. the Detroit Free Press, the Detroit News, that strive for the journalistic ethics. But when you read those blogs, you know they're coming from a fan's point of view. Yes. Like they're rooting for him. So may I, I don't know, maybe I'm just saying you know where to go to get that, I suppose. But I just I find it it'd be really hard to set my fandom aside. I can I ask you guys another sports reporter type question? Sure. Do you have to I'll say go, I'll just say one yeah. I'll say one quick thing about blogs and and I read the blogs too for my favorite teams. But it almost never happens where someone who's a blogger ever works for like a professional like newspaper news outlet because that's their that's their sweet spot right they know they, they know who their audience is are writing very very intently on from a specific point of view you know um and and i'll be honest with you at some of these press conferences for college or whatever it might be bloggers don't ask a lot of questions you know they don't they're not really there to be honestly objective about this question or to challenge a coach or to whatever it's uh it, it they're kind of like in a little bit like pr mouthpieces in that way for their teams for the teams they cover so it's not and that's blurred lines mark that has blurred yeah. lines in the, in the industry because a lot of I, people don't distinguish the difference i i actually would slightly uh, disagree with that the the blogging part in particular because those those folks that do that are just as likely to get more emotionally angry when things don't go well and they write that. So, so to me, it goes both ways. It maybe doesn't come out in the questions and press conferences, although occasionally it does, especially at the college level, but um, where identity and the, the heart plays so much more a part of it, but well, that anyway, lead, that go ahead lead, with your follow-up. Yeah. That kind of leads to, to that question um, because there are some people, and I know there's some people in this town that I don't want to go to the games. I don't want to go to practice. I certainly don't want to sit in the press box because I can't be that mouthpiece if I have to see these people or see these writers. And, and I can, I kind of appreciate that if your audience is the fan, you want to experience it like the fan is. And I didn't know how you guys felt about that. No, well, it's, it's changed our business in a lot of ways. I mean, Bill Simmons was probably the first to do that There you go, yeah, and really blow up. Right. I mean, he wrote as a Boston fan and uh, 
turn that into a job into ESPN and, and readers responded. And I think they like a lot of that, right? They, they want you to be angry when they're angry and joyful when they're joyful and, and that sort of thing. And I'm going to be curious to see like what Carlos and I try to do and, and others, wh- what that's going to look like 20 years from now. But right? do you have to go to the press conferences? Do you have to sit in the press box to be a, a voice of, to, to cover a team? If, uh, well, if columns and beat writers are different, right? If you're talking about, do you want to provide, like you can watch, if you know the game you're writing about and you understand it in a certain level and you watch it on TV, you can probably opine about that from your laptop and give the reader some interesting thoughts. And there are people that do it, right? There are absolutely people that do it. If you want stuff about, well, not just injuries because that's all pretty public now, but if you want some behind the scenes stuff if you want beat reporters to go in and have off the record conversations about why this person's struggling what they're trying to accomplish all that and then write with some authority even if you're not going to directly quote then yeah that's that's different and i don't think you can get that from watching on the tv that's different you can have analysis without going and doing anything but can you have that backed up with a certain amount of authority about wow here's what's really happening inside because we still do that dave burkett who covers the lines for the free press is a great example of that to me yeah, he I, I think there's a I think the, the the blogs have to make that decision on. I mean, first, you have to be credentialed. You know, the, the organizations themselves have to decide whether you're actually a viable news outlet or is it just, you know, Mark and you're you know, you're surrounded by Barbies in your basement and uh, exactly. you're, you're going to be a beat writer now, you know, Um so, and a lot of them, I think, I think they're smarter, you know, you're not going to out day briquette, day briquette. So you might as well do film breakdown and do mailbags and you talk to other, you do interviews or whatever it might be with other outlets and get into the nitty, really dive into the nitty gritty of, you know, the history of the fourth and one call and the, whatever, you know, all these different things, right. Instead of you come to the free press because Dave's in the locker rooms, Dave's talking to the general manager. Dave's talking to players and assistant coaches and, you know, agents, a, scouts, right? agents, scouts, mm-hmm. all this stuff, you know, that's the kind of stuff that that's real reporting. You know, the other stuff is there, it's valid too. I mean, trust me, I, my, my brother-in-law is a huge uh, St. Louis Cardinals fan and he loves the t- statistical breakdown. And there's some blog he reads in St. Louis and he doesn't really care about the nitty gritty of the post-game press conferences. He wants to know, you know, all the regressions, all the, what happened in the, you know, on these pitching matchups and why didn't they go with Wayne right here? And all like, he's into that sort of granular level stuff. So every fan wants something a little bit different. And you know what, you can do both. You can, that's a great thing about being a fan these days, right? You can go read Dave Burkett or, or Sean Windsor, get his sage, you know, point of view. And he, he mostly travels to eat and, you know, stay in nice hotels and the company's dime, but he also covers the game too. And he's there and talks to the players and coaches, but there's also the, the, you know, the bloggers who break down the really nitty gritty stuff and they'll do some video analysis and all that. So um, there's room for both really for a fan. And Mark, and I would say to you, I would be careful, Carl. I mean, I don't know. Let me rephrase that. I mean, when we say real reporting, it's just traditional reporting. It's not real. It's somebody that can figure out, uh, go out and look at something and provide a different. That's real reporting. That's real view of it and provide. That's that's all another form of reporting. 
That's the, I mean, that's it, the only kind of real reporting. Real reporting is you say something and you got to face somebody in the face, in yeah. the eyes. You, you stand behind what you write. That's you, not real reporting. Not, that's, that's not, a column. That's column writing and going no, in and, no, no. And, and, and being accountable what you've written. Go ask that, Dave how many right? times he's had arguments with players. And no, coaches. for sure. No, but that's, but that's not what you were saying earlier. You're talking about gathering. I'm talking about gathering information or offering, offering, gathering information and offering information. That's what we're talking about. And, and look, can we get back to what you were asking earlier, Mark? Because I, I don't, uh, <laughs> I have, the, let's get back to this subjectivity. I think I won. I think I, I beat Sean. Yeah. Check me. No, 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 no. It's not. No, it's dismissive <laughs> and elitist. First, it's dismissive and it's elitist. And our own newspaper has changed the way it covers beats, Mark. And this, and Carlos doesn't read our papers. He doesn't know this, but <gasps> the, the, the beat writer we have for Michigan, Michael Cohen is uh, the best. I, I, let me, let me rephrase. Uh, let me say let me be careful here for a second. He offers <laughs> great analysis, right? That's what we did. Nick Baumgartner used to write, who writes for mm -hmm. the Athletic, used to cover for us. That's how he made his name among fans, is offering analysis. We're going to keep doing that at the free press. We're doing it more and more. You can't just go turn the screw and write the news and have that be okay. There's too much of that out there, to your point, and we are trying to adapt. We have to. We're going to. We die. do both. We do all of it. That's the difference. We don't. But we just do more and more. Not just sit in his basement and look at tape and. But and fans care less and less about who has something. Perfect. How do you know? How do you know because, what fans care less? Because we look you at don't the think They care about the news. We of course they care about the news to some degree, but they can get the news yeah. in a hundred different places, yeah. and it's instant. And we yeah, can do you know that what? online. You know what the lead? You know what the lead line story was today? It was the question I asked Campbell about: Do you still support your kicker? Would you still? Trot him out there for another 54 yarder. He said, Yeah, I'd, I'd give him another go. Dave writes that. That's the headline. And that's what a blogger was not there to ask that question. And a blogger would not have asked that question. It takes a real reporter with the guts, you know, to be able to stand up there and have done this for a while and know this is the question I can ask. And frankly, Sean, one of the things that we've seen in our business because of the turnover, because we it's a more transitory business, there are a lot more job, different kinds of jobs out there, which is good for the business. But it's also, it, it leads to less um, consistency in the writers who cover the team. And so you have a lot of newer, younger writers. And I don't, I, you may disagree with me on this, but I really sense a, a uh, I have a sense of timidness from younger writers, people who aren't on the beat as long, who didn't come from, hey, I covered the Rams, I covered the Patriots, and I'm covering the Lions. They get bumped up sometimes, a lot of times, from college beats. They're not used to dealing with pro coaches and pro players. I and just their line of questioning is very different. It just depends They're on not, the individual. To me, it depends on the individual, man. I mean, and you haven't been around a lot of colleges, and, and that may change here coming up. But but it's, oh, I've uh, listened to enough college press There are plenty, of, I've been there plenty of these people me. that ask because they, they're mad at a loss. There are plenty of people that ask these questions. I don't know how we got down this road. Mark, let's get back to your, <laughs> your central question about can you be objective? Absolutely not. Okay. And Carlos is not objective. He's not. He's a human being. Hunter Thompson was right. Of course we bring biases. We bring bias in what we're watching and how we write about it and, and, the, and the way we write in general and our life He's asking, do we root or do we root? That's no, but you, were, we but, you mentioned, the but you mentioned uh, the, 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 the quote had to do with subjectivity and objectivity. And I don't believe for a second that we aren't quietly sometimes. You know, I, I like to see win sometimes because it's good for business, right? It's my own. That's my own agenda. More people read. It's better for the free press. Not only that, I have a family. I live in this community. And when they're big wins, you go out. It's just a nicer place to be. 
right? I don't, so, I don't, so, and I totally disagree with that. I, we, Sean and I have talked about this many times. I totally disagree with rooting for the, for the, for the win and more. It's not that you're rooting. Like, it's not that you're act, It's not that you're actively rooting for it. It's that I think, it, I, I think it's fun when they win. I, I just do. I think when teams are better, it's better stories. Now, collapses are interesting too, Mark, but, but that's only interesting for so long. And then people the, just tune out. It's the unexpected, right? Exactly. It's the unexpected that that is good for business. If it's a good team and they're all of a sudden terrible, that's good for business. If they're a terrible team and they're all of a sudden good, I would think that's good for business. No, it's it's, it's, it's great. Winning for winning is good for business. I I have I, Sean is absolutely one hundred percent right for the first time that winning is good for business. That when people when the team wins when they get on a roll and as you know, Mark, when you know even in the recent era when they made the playoffs and recall mm-hmm. well and Schwartz before that and usually when you win you have good players and there's some excitement, right? You have the, the Sues and the whatever, you know, the Calvin, Barry, the Calvin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, there's, it's not just in a, it's not in a bubble that it happens. Right. So there's an excitement level to it. I totally agree with that. Um, however, when I'm in the press box, I cannot sit there and think, well, I hope they win. I hope they win another sure. one. I hope they get on a roll. This is good for business. I hope that, you know, it's like, Hey, what's going to happen is going to happen. And you got to take it as it comes. I, I know, I know how to settle this objectivity question. Carlos, do you own any apparel with logos on it? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So you have a not, not from Detroit. Not no, but not but, from Detroit. Okay. But and I don't want to speak out of turn. But Carlos is a human being in the press no, box. I've don't. heard him say. I've heard him say. Oh, I hate that. I've heard him say that's terrible. That's awful. I can't believe that happened. I've heard Those him are say just that. Judged- makes- that is exactly those, those are but professional that's, judgments. They're not that, professional. They're not. They're they're being a human being. They're not professional at all, right? I mean, see, that doesn't I, mean you're I, a Lions fan, right? I've, I've right? fallen into that trap now, right? And I have already talked about how 105.1 has totally ruined my working for sports radio, ruined sports in a, in a great way <laughs> for me. I'm, I'm being serious. It is absolutely hysterical, but I'm being serious. Um, and, and one of the ways it has done that is is how I look at my, my favorite team, which is Michigan football. Right. And I try to be objective because I don't want to be, I don't, I don't want to be a slappy, which I hate that phrase so much. I don't want to (laughs) be a slappy for my school. So I'm trying to look at it as, you know, what are the problems with this team? Is this a real win? Like I'm, I'm trying to do that. And I, am I depriving myself of just enjoying the ride? And sometimes I I feel like I am. Like yeah, last year was such a surprise. And I feel like part of that year, I just kept waiting for the other shoe to fall. Like, uh, they're going to, they're going to be the team they were in the COVID year and be terrible. I, uh, I wrote restaurant reviews for a little bit. And the reason I stopped doing them is because I love to cook and I like to eat and I like to try all sorts of places. And I didn't want the, it was, it, it made you dispassionate to use Carlos's word, right? You, Cause you have to be that way to a degree and uh, to a large degree. And I hated it. I just wanted to go eat and not worry about it and talk about whoever I was eating with. Oh, do you like this food? Do you not? And not have to worry about saying that to anybody. And it's the same with cooking. So, uh, you know, people talk about what a great job we have sometimes. A lot of people think, oh, that must be great. Well, it does take away that fandom. There's yeah. Carl's, is, Carl's is absolutely right. Here's my last. We got to get to one more break here. But before we do, Mark, here's my last question about uh, about about this and the lines and and what Carlos wrote. Do you think that his um, 
I don't want to call it an exorcism because I don't want to suggest that he had demons running around for the last 20 years. <laughs> but do you think the enlightened view, the, the catharsis, the epiphany that he had on Sunday will now make him be able to connect a little bit more with the community he's lived in for the last two decades? Oh God, I would, I would hope not. I mean, <laughs> I mean one, one day is, is going to change a man. Um, I would think no. I, I don't know if he, I don't know if he wants to change or if you even need it. This isn't Carlos isn't on the couch here. I don't know if he needs to change or wants to change. Sean wanted to call one of our segments Carlos on the couch, I believe at one. Oh, time. really? Yes. Yeah, I actually did. I actually did. No, but he wrote his column as sort of he put himself on the couch a little bit, right? That's but, and that's what's fun. And Carlos is willing to do that is what makes him good, right? And one of the reasons it makes him good. So which is but, it's fun to fun to but once again about. when you when you get close when you get close to a subject, and I'm gonna use you, Carlos, as the example. Met you for the first time last week, right? I'm um, doing this show now, and I've, I've read you for 20 years. I don't want to look at your column differently than than how I did before I met you, right? I don't. Yeah. I'm, in a way, I almost don't want to know more about you because why? Why? Um, because I want I want the work. I want to look at the work, right? I don't want to know Carlos the person. I want to know Carlos. I want to judge his work, right? That's Matt Damon used to it, talk about that. Why he didn't do interviews? He didn't want anybody judging who he was. He wanted well, to look it, at it, well, look at the character and judge that performance. Look that at society. It. I think some of my favorite uh, artists and, and 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 musicians and actors are people that aren't on social media because there's not enough I know to hate about something they did, right? <laughs> like I don't I don't want to have to separate the art from the artist. I just don't want to know about it. Um, so you don't so, want to know Carlos as a person. That's hurtful. No, no, but no, I, I, that's fine. I, I think I can separate his art from the artist in regards to Car <laughs> Carlos. But when it comes to sports too, and you're there, I just, I think that's, that's really hard to separate it. So maybe that's, maybe that's why you don't want to root for a team. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. No, you always know what it's you're saying. Space. We, no, you're not. And we, and we want you to fill a little bit more space. We got one more. We got a shorter segment to come back to it. We promise we're going to get to Michigan, Michigan State football real quickly. But let's take one more break to make Anjanette happy. And Carlos, anybody else we need to make happy? Carrie, mm, Carrie Jr., our uh, our fill-in producer. Okay, yeah, we need we need to make him happy too. All right, let's take one more break. We'll be right back with more free press sports with Carlos and Sean. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we got to wrap this show up, man. And we, we always end our show, and you probably don't know this, Mark, because I'm sure you've never listened. I've never made it this far. No, yeah, you've never made it this far. <laughs> Good. We always, we always end the show with uh, uh, what we say, uh, my favorite thing. It's just Carlos's idea. Mm -hmm. Surprisingly enough, he likes to have a little bit of uh, joy, positivity, you know, just goodwill towards uh, other human beings to wrap okay. the show up. So what we do is we say, what was your favorite thing from the previous week, from the from now, the last seven days, what thing did you enjoy the most? It could be something simple like, oh, I had a new flavor of ice cream. It could be in my whole life, bad. my whole no, life in your whole from life. The last seven days, oh, what was boy. your favorite thing? We'll let Carlos go first and you can think about it while he's talking. All right. All right. My favorite thing from last week was um, we went to our first music concert since the pandemic. Uh, we went to see 
and it's an interesting Dave s- Matthews. Not Dave Matthews. It's an Thank old God. band from from a place you may be familiar with, Sean, named Dallas, Texas. Um, the old 97s. They were a band in the 90s. Uh, we had a interesting connection to them because when my wife and I were dating in the 90s, we listened to them all the time. And you know, when we were in California, well, we moved here, and one of our best friends tells us casually one day, "Oh, we're going to go see a band." I grew up with one of the you know uh, players, you know, in Dallas. You, you may not have heard of them. It's the old 97. So it's like, it's like telling you, you know, oh yeah, my best friend was Kurt Cobain or something like, oh yeah, we're going to go see Nirvana or something. So we were floored by it. So anyway, so this is in 19, in the fall of 19, we saw the old 97s. They were great. They were playing it in Ferndale. Uh, and then we stayed away from all these things during that pandemic. We just didn't feel comfortable going and sitting around a bunch of gross people and stuff, whatever. Uh, not gross people, but you know, we just didn't want to risk any uh, COVID. Um, that's why he didn't f- figure out Lions fans cared about the team until <laughs> right. five days ago. <laughs> right. And so we, they came back and they played at Sanders hall and, uh, we went with our friends again and then we got to see them and, and say a hello to one of the band members. And it was a fa- fantastic, uh, evening, great set. And it was just really great to reconnect and go back. And I also forgot how much I dislike standing for three hours watching uh, an opening act and then a band. So I'm too old now, Sean. If I don't get a seat, I'm not going to go to another music concert. So much for ending it on a positive note. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, but I'm I, with I, you. I, I totally agree. I'm no, too no, old. I'm, I'm too old for this stuff, right? <laughs> I'll go. I'll go next, and I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it quick, and then and then you can finish the show for us, Mark, if that's all right. Ooh, since you're the pro- right. since you're the professional you're closer, you're going to be Jose Mine is really simple. I mean, originally it was my my favorite thing was that Carlos came over and we we cooked for him and he watched the game and we got to ha- hang out outside of work a little bit. That was great. I would stop it there, but the fact that he got to watch my boys react like fans and see that up close and then to the point where he wanted to write about it and it sort of not changed his thinking but uh maybe gave him a different viewpoint I, I i just love that and the fact that he got some fried chicken and ribs to go with uh to go with that then uh and mashed potatoes i want to say oh it was everything what didn't you and your wife went i mean mark i, I don't you've probably never been invited right you know but no Oh, no, it's it was I, this repast. It was it was amazing. I mean, it was every just comfort food. food. You can yeah, but the best. It was amazing. I was I and I know you know Sean loves food, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he loves food more than life, probably. But but he really they went all out. And Sean I don't love life. Cannot cannot thank you enough. But that was that was ama- an amazing spread. So I highly recommend it. If you ever are in his good graces enough to get invited over. You'll you'll be I would love for it. Mark to come over and uh and watch a game actually and eat. The funny thing is I grew up right by where you live. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah, uh I think you I've grew, told you that. Yeah, I, you did. I grew up like two miles from where you live now. Yeah, like that's yeah. No, that's like, awesome. That's awesome. The, so the problem the problem with going last year is I thought of too many things. I'm I'm just too positive about too no, many things. No, not last year. Last it's the last week. I know it was that good of a week, right? Um I Michigan wow. won. I mean, that was great. Uh um, okay. I okay. had a new flavor of hummus at Cal's lunch bowl. And oh, there, that there's, is awesome. there's a, there's a plug. So that was really good. Um, but, but honestly, and this is going to make me sound so soft, but I don't care. Uh, I've been working like six days a week since the pandemic began. Um, schedules get shifted around. Uh, so now I have my Fridays free again, which is great. And picking up my daughter from school, which I don't get to do because we record Drew and Mike so late. I drop them off every day. But I got to pick her up, right? She's eight and a half. She's in third grade. I got to pick her up, and we went 
to the cider mill. And I know that is so, so cliche. No, it's not. But it wasn't the act of just picking her up. It wasn't the act of just going to the cider mill, but her friends ended up going too. It was being able to sit there and watch her interact with her friends and her saying, that's my dad there. Like that. I don't know why that just hits you. It's, it's kind of American beauty esque, these simple things. <laughs> I, it's, it's what I love, man. I love those simple things. I, I think it's awesome. I do too. Yeah. That's my dad. That's my dad. Yeah. yeah. I, I, that's the best, right? You, Carl, well, you, see, tell you, you, that. See, you see your kid in a different light. She's not playing with me. She forgets I'm there and I get to watch her. Like that, that was just cool. I don't get a, I don't get enough of that. Mark, I agree with you. That's a very soft, some, it's you know, incredibly sappy, soft. sappy take. I, I disagree with all of it. No, that's, Thank you. that's a beautiful thing. I mean, and anybody who's been a parent, you know, and you have kids yeah, that it's you're not unique, it's a ma- but it's a magical time. Mm-hmm. Everybody can, re- if you don't know, such a great age, it is a great age. So that's, yeah. I hope you, it's the sweet spot took really pictures or able to document. Oh, of course, yeah. unfortunately, yeah, yeah, too many pictures. Yeah, yeah it's a true. sweet it's a sweet spot because they can do a few things for themselves and they're not embarrassed about being with you. They love your company. It's the problem. They, the you problem can talk is, about the world a little bit with them, you know, in little ways. It's fun. The problem is 18 hours later, she's trolling me about Michigan. She thinks it's funny to pick on them. So. <laughs> well, that's all. But that's all. So I, I will tell you, though, that every age is great. That's cliche, too. But Carlos would tell you that, like. He's got 19 year olds, I think, or 18, 18, 19, 18. 18. Wow. And that's great. Mine are a few years older than that. And they're in Carlos will we'll back this up. Yeah, they were, they're still pretty good. They're still pretty great. So yeah, you're not soft. <laughs> I mean, I'm I the, know. I'm the soft one here. I asked Carrie but, about, I was talking to Carrie beforehand, ask him how soft I am with all the Barbie stuff in the background. <laughs> well, no, that's great. So you're, <laughs> you're a girl dad. That's awesome. But, uh, yeah, I'm the soft one here, but I gotta be tough right now because we gotta get out of here. We gotta let Carrie go, man. Poor Don't Carrie. we Carlos? Yes. Yes. Or Carrie. Yeah. We want to thank uh, Carrie, but let's, let's thank Mark first, Carl, shall we, man, this has been great. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. I'm glad you asked. Glad my yeah. schedule worked out. Yeah, I know. I've been wanting to have you on for a while, and I'm glad it worked out for a change. Uh, Carlos, who else do we need to thank the listeners for joining well, us? We should probably thank uh, Andrew Hammond, right? We can't forget. Like, he's not, like, dead to us or anything. Like, No, that. he's just on a vacation. Did we let – does he get vacation? I didn't know he got – we yeah, don't get vacation. I guess do he does. Our normal producer listeners, if you don't remember, which is uh, shame on you. But we also want to thank who? Tell us. We need to thank um, Anjana Delgado, um, Queen of the World slash executive producer of this show, and Kirkham Crawford, also co-executive producer. We have a lot of executive producers, Mark. I don't think they do much, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) but the the most silence for the most important person, editor of the free press, Peter Batia. Yeah. But where can you find the show, Sean? Where? A a moment of silence. But what about Carrie? We haven't thanked Carrie, have we? How many times have we? How much? God, how much how much uh, credit does he need? Carrie Jr. Thank you, Carrie. Is our producer. All right, did we take the prop? Did we, was that a long enough moment of silence for Peter? <laughs> no, he's not going to be happy. Okay. All right, where can we find this? Oh, you can find it wherever you find your favorite podcast at Apple, Spotify. Carlos is still working on his own platform. Maybe Mark Fellhauer can help him out. And when Carlos uh, is king of the world, you can find us there too. We want to uh, thank y'all again for listening. We will talk to y'all next week. 